The Animation Podcast, May 16th, 2007. Hey everybody, this is Clay and welcome to show number 18 of The Animation Podcast. This episode is Bernie Mattinson Part 3, and it's actually from the second time that I interviewed Bernie, which was a few months after Parts 1 and 2. And if you haven't checked those out yet, I really recommend you go back and give those a listen, because this interview picks up pretty much where those left off. And if you're just checking out the show for the first time, I'll give you the short intro on Bernie. He's worked at Disney for close to 55 years as an animator, a story artist, a director, and a producer, and he's still working there today. I'm just so happy that I got to interview him and share these with you because he's an amazing guy, an amazing artist, and um, a total inspiration. So sit back and relax and enjoy part three. Let's see, the last time we talked, we were kind of ending up around uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol. And um, on that show, you know, you had the classic characters. Was there a big discussion about which Mickey to to base the, like the design on? Yeah, we we went, we wondered which uh, way to go on it, um, and we had a hard time casting the Mickey uh, there for somebody to even draw it. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's where Mark Hen kind of came into the room and he said one day he said you know he says I'd I'd love to draw Mickey you know and we said okay well uh, do a test it was real nice it was a real good test mm-hmm. so we gave him another little bit more animation sorry the squeaky chair that's okay um and uh he uh bang he got that one through and then he did another one and and then he was we gave him a whole block of scenes and so he sort of found his own character of which one to go which way to go uh, you know he was always going down to the morgue all the time downstairs and he'd be uh checking it uh out scenes and, and looking at it he was looking at looking at Freddie Moore's work a lot and uh so he was studying it constantly and uh within two months we moved him up to animator mm-hmm. so uh uh we were he was a great find wow. and glenn was doing a lot of the mix some of the mickeys too not a lot of them he was not as many as uh mark but uh, they would get into almost a race with each other how, who could do the most footage uh, they, they were phenomenal they were just turning out huge tons of work hmm. it was a wonderful you actually directed this film right yeah and this is the first time for you yeah I, I i had never directed it and in fact uh after ron miller said start storyboarding it I went down and started putting up the storyboards, and then he came down about two weeks later, and I went through and started pitching it to him. And he uh, he says, great. He says, looking wonderful. He says, good, now you you direct it. <laughs> and he says, I want it to get into work in May. Well, we just, in other words, I had to start handing out footage May 1st, and we just gotten the okay to board it on the 18th of March. Oh, wow. So we had very little time. And then it, it became the voices, how to come up with the voices. Mm-hmm. So all of these factors all happened to a newbie director like me. And uh, so, yeah. And then I'd say about halfway through the film, uh, Miller caught me one day in the hall and he says, by the way, he says, I want you to produce it too. So uh, I was then the producer on it. Wow. Also. How was that transition for you? I mean... Was it overwhelming, or or had you been around it long enough to understand all the steps and the the jobs? What really helped me more than anything was working with Wooly. Wooly was a great teacher, and uh, he was uh, real quick to bring you into his his world and uh, give you his problems. And so I was helping him a lot figure out what to do. 
uh, especially like uh, in uh, rescuers, he told me, you do the diamond, you know, yeah. figure out how to yeah. do the diamond. Or he would say, I need scenes for this section here. Find, find things that'll show me a sense of travel to the bayou or whatever. So I would have to hunt scenes up and, and ideas to do it. So he was always giving me things like that to do, and uh, that helped a lot. Wow. And in fact, uh, he'd ask for uh, things like, bring your video camera in and, and we, let's shoot some stuff uh, of, of a little car moving around or whatever. And, and I was, so I would bring that camera in and we'd, uh, he'd have a little car and he'd run around on, the set, on a little set there of uh, plywood. And uh, it would get into the film, actually. <laughs> Surprising. And they would just like roto your, your footage? They would roto the footage, yeah. They, they, they'd put it up on film and wow. roto it. The magic of movie making. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, it was a, he was great because he was a very seat-of-the-pants uh, director. Mm -hmm. And uh, his main idea was to get something done, something up to work with. And so I think that really helped a lot. Yeah. And... Uh, Christmas, uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol was, was really a relatively easy picture. And it was made regard. fairly quickly. Very quickly, yeah. But what happened is, in the very middle of it, we had the strike. And uh, a lot of our crew, all of our crew was out for six months. In fact, the entire studio, there was only two people that came in. I think in the animation, and it was myself and uh, uh, Butoy. Uh, oh, Hendel. Hendel, Hendel, I couldn't think. Hendel Butoy. He came in because of it was a religious uh, issue, but he didn't go out there. His uh, religion didn't allow him to go out on strike. Oh. So, anyhow, he came in. But other than that, there was nobody else. So we were mm -hmm. that way for six months. Well, a lot of costs added up against the picture then, uh -huh. too, and so we were way behind. But it was a relatively fast picture, though. Huh. And and in the end, they were they were happy with it and decided to give you more projects well yeah after that picture was finished i asked miller i said well so what what's next and he said i want you to go down and and which i was delighted i really was because i had seen the storyboards on uh the great mouse detective or it was then called basil of baker street and i loved what vance had done with it and uh, mel shaw had done some beautiful uh pastels so uh I said okay, and he said I don't th I don't even know if we have a story on that yet. They've been fooling around with it and so forth, but so we have to get a story. Okay, so I went down there and uh, as a co-director and um, started working with John and and uh, Ron. And Ron Ron wasn't the director then; he was just a uh, uh, story man. And so, uh, but he was really the main drive in the story end of it. There, he was really the pusher of it mm -hmm. and whose concept was it ron's concept in the beginning it was ron's concept i think he always wanted to do a sherlock holmes mouse picture and then eve titus had written these books these five books uh one day we were up in ron's office and he was wondering what our next project was going to be and uh, joe hale uh, put these books out on the desk and said uh this is a real good project well, I think he had talked to Ron and so forth, and you know, his, his behind it. So Ron uh, looked at it, uh, Miller and said, uh, Great, let's go ahead, let's do this. And Mel Shaw then grabbed the books and he started to illustrate some ideas and so forth. 
then Ron Clemens started working uh, with Musker, and uh, they uh, started getting a, a, some ideas together. Now, the, the only thing is they, they had a lot more, their version of it was uh, more on the, um, in the direction of being uh, satirical. Mm -hmm. And uh, the version that uh, Mel Shaw was doing, and another uh, young uh, story man, uh, Pete Young, was a very uh, more Disney-esque version. I mean, the, the the version that that Ron and John were doing was really kind of wacky, and it was fun. It mm -hmm. was funny, but it was it was wacky. I talked to Miller, and and I think he felt too that we wanted to go more with the traditional. So we. Went off into that direction. We went off with more of the traditional. And that's what it mm -hmm. turned out mm -hmm. to be. And you were the director on this, along with John. I, I was officially I was, at the beginning. Yeah, and officially in the beginning, I was co-director on it. Until then, that's when uh, the new uh, regime came in, and we pitched it to the the new fellows, uh, <laughs> Mike and uh, Jeff, <laughs> as I called them, until <laughs> I knew better, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, then we, then we, uh, uh, or rather, uh, Roy Disney made me the producer on it. Mm -hmm. So, but then, then I, then I was kind of splitting my time, doing a little bit of direction and trying to be a producer. And uh, when the story got kind of pretty well along, Ron came to me and asked he'd like to stay on the project, and he really loved to direct uh, a couple of sequences. So I said, "Great!" And uh, we made him a director. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, so off we were, off we went. That's great. And so the the regime changed. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that? I, I guess mainly like wh what was it like going into that you know, with Ron Miller in charge, and then uh, you know it's very similar to what's going on right now. Yeah, uh, I, in some ways. In some ways, yeah. Well, well, Miller was fighting, um, uh, and I cannot. I for some reason never can think of his name. The guy who, who was blackmailing the studio. Mm -hmm. But he was going back and forth all the time to uh, bankers in the East and so forth. And we we were trying to get a hold of him to come down, take a look at our storyboards, and uh, give us a... so we could keep moving forward. And every once in a while, he would make the time to come down and look at them. And he was very encouraging. And actually, he was, he was pretty astute, too. I, I think we really appreciated Ron. He was easy to get along with. He was really a, he was really a nice fellow. And uh, he and he tried to do the very very best that he could to keep the Disney feel because right, he had married Walt's daughter, right? Yeah. So he's yeah, in the he, family and family, and he was very very protective of Disney. I mean, he really uh, tried to do a thing, do everything very tastefully. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, then then of course when the new the new ones came on board and uh, Ron had left, everything was shut down on the picture. Basically, in fact, they shut down all everything in animation. Right. And I think they were trying to get. Uh, uh, Cauldron finished and out, and of course I always love that great thing that I supposedly it's attributed to Jeffrey of saying where are the outtakes on the Cauldron when he saw it? Oh, to, to cut it back together because he well he wanted the outtake so he could could uh, recut the picture right, and then it was told there are no outtakes <laughs> in animation, <laughs> in <animation>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I think he he felt like he missed something, not having a, an ability to get his hands in, into it, and uh, so he was very skeptical about animation. I think, but then when when we showed him a story reel, he realized that 
I can get into this mm. and I can make changes and I can I can help to mold this. And he was, uh, that, I think that helped a lot to get us uh, sold. Right. Especially so, a brand new project. A brand new project. That he could and just it, jump on. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think they were coming from, from uh, Paramount, you know, and live action pictures and they this was their first venture into animation and i i think that they were not really thrilled with animation it wasn't their cup of tea mm -hmm. uh, i'd even heard somewhere at one time that they would be just as of hat just as happy if we had uh, uh just dropped animation entirely and yeah. we, we almost worried that we, they were going to drop it yeah too. i was going to say we're, most people just thinking they weren't going to have any job here yeah 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 we we I think we really came close to not having it, mm -hmm. but uh, thank God we did. Yeah. So. yeah, and in those six months that things were shut down, was it six months you said? Well, the six months actually, were, which was shut down, this was prior to them coming on board, oh, okay. oh, and strike. that was the strike. Then the so strike what? was over, Miller was still there, mm -hmm. and um, and it really didn't, they didn't come until around the, the fall of 84. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that strike was in '83. Okay. And yeah. when they came in, did did uh, the structure of animation change, or just the fact that Jeffrey was kind of in charge of it now? Um, did they bring in people they knew to to run things? No, no. They 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 were they were very good. Actually, Roy, of course, was going to that was his going to be his department, and everybody kind of agreed it was going to be his department. It was, it was his responsibility. So the, the first thing he did was to make me the producer on it, and uh, and I think he was hoping that we could bring it through you know because we had done it before or mm -hmm. whatever so hopefully we did we came we came up to this challenge and we, we did yeah, do it yeah and, and you know a lot of people talk about it like a turning point for disney and the start of the uphill climb yeah because we really all were having fun with it you know and we were a bunch of outcasts on it uh, in other words uh the big a picture was going to be the black cauldron and uh, we were certainly the b c picture and I think the only the other reason that Ron Miller gave us the go ahead was that a lot of the animation end of the studio was waiting on the Black Cauldron to get a storyline up and running, and so they were all sitting around in their fannies and uh, practicing drawing and all of that, and mm -hmm. it was growing pretty thin. So when I came along with that this idea, I think Miller said, "Great, pick anything to get people busy." So it was sort of a hand in hand thing. It was perfect timing in a way. Yeah. Yeah, but we wound up getting a lot of the uh, talent from uh, the people from the Cauldron people, uh, like Glenn and uh, Gombert and uh, Mark Han and mm -hmm. so forth. And Andreas, Andreas Lasseter, we got him. Oh, yeah. And uh, so anyway, at that point, was Lasseter still doing two D animation? Yeah. 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 Everybody was doing two D. Yeah. I mean, because I know that in Great Mouse there was the CG element of the clock. Right and all that stuff. And that was kind of the first time that was used, right? That was that was the first time it was used. Yeah, and I mean, otherwise it was you videotaping a car, and then was, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's yeah. We would do the, the the little white cars with the blue black lines drawn on them, and that mm -hmm. was what we would Xerox, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. The the, the 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 computer that was the first one we did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, in fact, at that time we only had one computer in the entire studio. Wow. In the end, was that did did you guys feel like that was a time saver? Was it worth the effort to? Yeah, to we, we we thought it was a, it was it was. We didn't really think of it as a time saver as much as we thought it was it was a uh, 
something innovative, something new, yeah. because we want it to move through the gears. Yeah, that's the thing. The camera is actually moving and traveling. And yeah, and the only way we knew how to do it was, uh, gee, let's let's do it in this computer, see if we can do it. So that's what we did. And they they would uh, print them out on large paper in the, in the uh, computer, uh, this, all the, this line work that they mm -hmm. had, and uh, that then it was Xeroxed from that, and then painted the backs that were, were all painted. And... Uh, <laughs> uh, that became our clock, moving clock. Yeah, wow. And that was the beginning of the end of 2D animation. And that was the beginning <laughs> of 2D, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Um, like I said, the movie did well. Or, or It was successful. Yeah, yeah. It, it came out, it did, it did success, it was successful, uh, relatively so. I think it came out when it was snowing or whatever it was. It was one of those weekends. Mm-hmm. A couple of things that really hurt hurt the picture. Everybody wanted the name Basil of Baker Street. We all love that name. And I personally think if it had gone out under the name of Basil of Baker Street, it would have made a lot more money. Hmm. But what happened was Jeffrey, uh, I think he felt concerned because he came from Paramount and they were really pushing and he felt like uh, young Sherlock Holmes was going to be the great picture over there the big one of the year and when it didn't do as well as he thought i think he wanted to try to make a reverse here and make this a more americanized picture so he didn't want basil uh, or basil or baker street and uh, they had come up with this great mouse detective which nobody really liked at all and i think it yeah. i think it made it a very childish movie in people's minds mm -hmm. so for me i think it was it was a real bad call yeah um, they didn't, because I think of Jeffrey's concern, I don't think they put, they didn't put the money behind it. Uh, I think they had like a, I don't, I'm not going to, I can't even tell you exactly, but I'm going to say like $9 million they put behind it, where Spielberg made tie-ins uh, at, at that time with uh, uh, Burger King or, or McDonald's and he, uh, and other out divisions there they, they really sold the american tale which was coming out just around that same time mm -hmm. and american tale didn't get nearly the, as good a reviews as we got we got great reviews every everywhere we went we had great reviews but we didn't have the the budget behind the uh the push mm -hmm. and, and in the end american tale did a lot better didn't it? and american tale did better yeah, yeah it did a lot better and uh the other thing what happened is all the merchandising that we had in the works uh, when Jeffrey changed the name at the last minute, all the books, everything, were they canceled everything. Hmm. So all the manufacturers canceled. We had no merchandising going out. In fact, we didn't even have uh, any animals in the park, you know, to walk around or anything that represented the picture. And Roy heard about that, and he, he he's the one that pushed to go out and, and uh, get the animals uh, uh, made, the costumes for yeah. it. But it was a really... Uh, it stabbed the picture in the back in a, in a way, I think, all of that. And in fact, afterwards, they were very apologetic. And uh, I believe it was, his name was Levine or Levinson at the time. He was the head of publicity. And Jeffrey, they all apologized for the handling of, of the publicity on the picture. And mm -hmm. they, they all agreed it. it could have been better. Wow. So, yeah, that was, that was a very misfortunate situation yeah yeah so what came after, after that was um was it oliver and company oliver and company was in in the works yeah 
Um, did you work on that at all? Yeah, I did. Uh, kind of a, in a backhanded way. Two, two people were working on it at the time that we were doing The, uh, the Great Mouse. We were finishing that up. And that was uh, Pete Young. And he was the, it was his story idea. And uh, George Scribner. And uh, George was helping Pete. This was, this was an idea that uh, Pete had pitched during one of those gong shows that uh, we had several times with Jeffrey and, and Michael. Did they bring that concept to the studio? Mm -hmm. The gong yeah, show? they brought it with them, yeah. That was one of the first things that happened when, when they came here. Was they had set up the gong shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, you had to give pitch three ideas and in front of, with this whole group of people. They're all around. We were all around a table. And we were the first one we had was like, well, I think it was, a, I'm not sure, but it was a luncheon. And it was, that was a hard luncheon to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to pitch these uh, 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 three ideas. So uh, he'd come up with the idea of Oliver and Company, uh, uh, Pete Young. And Clemens had come up with the idea of Little Mermaid. So both those got, you know, okay to go ahead. Anyhow, so, so, in, the, so in the meantime, I'm, we're finishing up. I should get back. We're finishing up uh, The Great Mouse Detective. As those two are working on the story concept for the uh, Oliver, well, during uh, just toward, toward the very end there, Pete was getting a, some real bad time, I think, from uh, pitching it to to uh, Michael and to uh, Jeffrey. I don't think they were uh, on board with the idea or whatever, and Pete took it very very uh, hard, and. It was shortly, and he had he had an asthma condition apparently, and uh, it was one after one one day he he uh, I got a call we got a call that he had he had died oh really in the middle of this, so Peter uh, put George in charge of of the picture, so he was working the story on it, and I think they gave him some more story people to work with. Uh, I think Vance went over there and started helping on it. Uh, then I think. Uh, Peter made George uh, the uh, the director on it. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I don't. I say I think. I, of course, he did. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, and so George George was trying to get the picture together and so forth. And he he had never done it before. Somewhere along the line, after we had finished the uh, we had picture uh, Great Mouse had been finished and uh, done and over with. Peter came to me and said, asked me if I'd help George. Because they were having some difficulties in, in getting the stuff up on reels and then story-wise and all of that, so I did. So I I, I worked with George for about uh, I'd say six seven months there, and we got the stuff up on story reel and it was working okay. Mm -hmm. Then I think I kind of tapered off as they got more and more into production and uh, George was able to take care of things and. Kathleen Gavin was working with him, and it, and it became got it got into a production. Mm -hmm. So, in those months, what, what specifically did you bring to it? I mean, what what was your role in, you know, getting it on reels? Or were you were you boarding? Were you coming up with concepts? Working on story? No, um, my job, according to Peter, was to be the co-director, and I would not be the direct co-director or the director. I was to really be, in a sense, to help George direct, support him in directing. So, right. And uh, prior to me getting on onto the film, a, a lot of people were unhappy. In fact, the animators were almost at a point of revolt on it uh, because the story was having a hard time 
getting together on the story reels. The cutting was real tight, etc. So uh, Peter said he wanted me to get in and try to recut it and help to recut it and help just help George basically because George was new to it, you know. And uh, so I did, and that's basically I would just sit there with George with the, uh, on the cam, and I would suggest when we. Mm-hmm. down there and we were going to do uh similar things to mickey's christmas carol um whatever they would be and so we were trying to come up with with uh i came up with two the emperor's new clothes and we were doing there was a haunted mansion uh story we were doing jeffrey wasn't buying into any of them he just didn't feel like you know he wanted to do that in fact we even took an old we got an old short from uh the uh the golden era actually that had never been actually put into uh, uh, clean up and uh, final ink and paint uh, because Jack Kinney had directed it and, and said he thought it should really it should go and we went to the morgue and we pulled it out and mm-hmm. put it all together and uh, I think we referred to it as the bee movie but it was a it was a, about a little bee and Mickey uh-huh. and it was uh, I think it was what was it called the bee concert or something like that yeah and uh so we got all the scenes from the morgue and we put it all together found found the recorded soundtrack on a, on a uh a transcription disc and uh we showed it to him and it looked it looked pretty good really and he said no no i don't think so you know, oh. i don't want and to that i i just read about this last week online um someone was saying you know now that these guys are taking over here's something you should do and make you know the b concert you know, um, but it was fully animated, right? It was fully and animated. I think Freddie Moore animated on it. Freddie Moore, uh, 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 Hal King. Mm-hmm. It was basically Freddie Moore and Hal King that did the animation on it, and uh, beautiful animation. Hmm. And so it, this project is still there. Still there, and they was all in the rough. Uh-huh. So, so you can see Freddie's roughs, and they're just so good. Uh, I'm going to the. It, make, it makes you want to want to animate when you see his stuff, uh-huh. but. Um, yeah, so we went after. The funny thing is, we put it together, showed it, showed it to Jeffrey. He decided not to do it. I think the concern he had was, was that uh, it was about a bee that uh, loves flower, love flowers, and when he when he got near flowers, he would get drunk, you know, and and he would just so. But he sang. He and he was had a great uh, opera voice. So uh, the night of the opera, of course. Uh, He's he's singing and so forth, and then they throw flowers up on the stage, and he starts to get all drunk. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there was concern about that, and I think there was concern about Mickey being in this kind of a picture, and what for what reasons, you know, mm-hmm. politically correct or whatever. So it never happened. And so after after we after the screening, well, we forgot the picture and so forth, and. It was sitting there on the editor's bench, and somebody walked away with the uh, everything that had been put together. You know, the entire uh, black and white the story reel, or and, or is the picture reel actually? So, to this day, we nobody knows where it happened to it. But fortunately, we did make a, a, a tape of it. You know, uh-huh. and so the, the, what was walked away with that was not any original footage or soundtrack or anything. That was uh, you know your cut up version. It it was it was the put together version of everything uh-huh. that had been filmed on the on the picture. Oh, so all the work it's so just all the work walked away. All the work walked away. Oh wow. Well, yeah. Well, just... <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I had a copy of it and 
I brought a copy in and I gave it to uh, Dave Bossett and he made a copy off, off of that one. But we had one three-quarter inch copy that wow. we had made. But wow. that, that's the only record of it. Wow, that sounds like the start of a... But it would be kind of fun to bring it forward, wouldn't it? Yeah. It really would. That would be great. I mean, you know, if we could just get over that 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 idea of uh, being, being you know, a little intoxicated. Right. It's flowers, you know? <laughs> yeah, flowers. You know, what the heck? <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, after that then, um, we kept looking for projects to do uh, for me and... Uh, we pitched, uh, yeah, that's right. We pitched the, we pitched these projects for the Florida thing. All my furniture went down there, <laughs> and I was scheduled to go down there. Mark Hen and and uh, several of the guys here left and, and went, moved down there, set up family, home, you know, bought homes and everything. But Jeffrey was never satisfied, so I never left. So the next thing that I did was to go into, uh, to do a um, thing for the Academy Awards that year. The year before, the, uh, Warner's had done something with uh, with Bugs Bunny introducing uh, the Shorts Awards. Well, I think Michael wanted to uh, come up with his version of it, so I got assigned the task of, of coming up with a Mickey doing the, the award thing. And so we, we boarded something, and uh, they liked it. So we spent about uh, six, seven, eight months. Not, no, not that much. No, excuse me. I'd say three months. We spent three months. Uh, putting it together and uh, put it on the show and, and we got lots of great reviews for it hmm. you know uh, and then we had a lot of fun Tom Selleck did, did the presentation okay. Mickey walks out and he uh, he had a um, his uh, sorcerer's outfit on and then he changes himself into his uh, tux and uh, then he uh, pulls a ribbon and this box opens up and out steps uh, Tom Selleck and they walk across the stage to the podium and uh, then they have a little banter between them. Then uh, Selleck asks Mickey for the envelope, uh, or or they to make the announcement. So he he announces who who's up for the award, and then Mickey does too. And then uh, he says uh, the envelope, Mickey, and he's looking through his 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 tux. And he can't find it. And he says, "Oh my gosh, I, I must have left it, you know, somewhere." And he says, "Oh." And he pulls out his wand and he and he does a, a little magic thing and uh, out comes the, the the letter from the from the ceiling onto the lay, lays onto the podium. Well, everybody just went wild when that when that happened because they wondered how they did that. Uh-huh. But they had already laid the the the, the, the uh, letter on the podium before, but they had yeah, had even walked over walked over there. Mm-hmm. So it was already there. But it, it comes down on the, in the animation onto the podium, and then Selleck picks it up and starts to <laughs> say, announce who the winner was. We had one problem on that whole thing. Supposedly, the, the, the whole skit opened up with Mickey, Minnie, Daisy, and Donald in the uh, audience. And uh, the camera was fixed on the, on the platform looking down at those seat, seats there, and they were empty seats. And they projected our characters into the seats. Mm-hmm. We had to fit it perfect. And it and the opening it worked great. And uh, Donald sore because uh, Mickey's been a, a, a announced as as the guy who's going to do the presentation, and he sh- it should be him, you know. Right. Then after after the, the uh, gentleman came up and he accepted the award and all all that, uh, we were going to cut back 
and ha and, and and you'd see Donald all tied up and, and and so forth, and they're all sitting there. Well, the stage manager didn't realize that the, the they they had commercial break. Um, had already happened or whatever they were, they were going to pass on it. And he told this woman, she was a professional sitter, to sit down. So she sat down and then they cut with with, with all the characters sitting down in her lap, you know. <laughs> she's, she's right underneath them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that, that, that uh, was my only fault pup, but everything else worked pretty well on it. Yeah. In short, then, then, then Peter gave me some things to do on a, uh, it was a Kodak uh, uh, Pavilion's idea and they wanted to do 3D animation. So we fooled around with actually trying to do 3D animation. With 2D? With 2D. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't all that successful until we started to get a handle on it. But it was just about that time that Peter said, I, I, I can't spare the uh, computers to, to, to marry the, the things together, you mm -hmm. know. So it kind of got as far as the pencil stage. We actually had 3D glasses and you could sit and watch it. In, in a, it was a, but it was a 2D drawn mm -hmm. thing. But it was in 3D, and this was all done with a computer. And that was no, that was all just done by by hand. That that particular part. Uh -huh. But we needed to marry it to uh, footage we had shot on. Uh, it was a Bette Midler movie uh, inside of a hotel. We had we had the set over there. Don Hahn, myself, we went over there, and we had all these extras. We must have had about fifty people extras there, and they were all sitting in like in a restaurant. Mickey comes in the door in this in this uh, revolving door with Pluto. Pluto sees this waiter go by with this plate full of hot dogs and sauerkraut, and he takes off after it with Mickey holding on. Mm -hmm. And they chase through the tables and uh, uh, scatter people falling over and all, so forth. And then he chases the waiter down and around the hall down into the hotel. Mm -hmm. And this was all shot on 65 millimeter uh, 3D, big cameras. God, it was a big deal. Yeah. And then we were doing the animation part of it, and then we were marrying it into this into this 3D process, and we were using the computers to do it. Okay. But we couldn't do it, so it just died. Hmm. And so the next thing after that, then uh, they came along with uh, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast had been given to. Uh, uh, the English, there were a couple English couple. Yeah, is it Pertnam? Pertnam, per, the Pertams, Pertams. Yeah, uh, they were going to do it, and so a bunch of the story guys here, I think Don Hahn and uh, Tom Enriquez and a few others, they all went over there to uh, France, and they were they were boarding it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jeffrey had liked the script and said, "Just board that script. It's perfect." And it was very straight. It was not musical, so they did. And they came back to Florida to show it to, to Jeffrey just about the same time Mermaid had been released, and uh, or was on it was just being released, and um, Jeffrey looked at it and he said, "Oh no no," he says, "We got to make this as a musical," and uh, the Purdams felt didn't feel like they wanted to do it, they wanted didn't want to carry on as musical, so Don Hahn came back to. California here and uh, wanted to set up shop so I I went over there and I and I started to board on it mm -hmm. at that time Kirk and Gary were, were uh, they weren't directors on it either they had been working on cranium command but they uh, were sort of assigned to sort of watch over it you know 
So I started boarding on it, and my first sequence on it was the opening sequence where she comes walking through the town. And uh, we didn't know what to do other than say, well, she's walking through the town and, and uh, uh, figure out something to do. So we, we, as, they, as they did, I had, I had them all looking at her like she's kind of an oddball because she's looking at a book reading a book and they're all kind of looking out their windows and so forth and uh, they took it back to Howard Ashman those those opening sketches and so forth and uh, he thought hey this would make a great song so he opened the song that was where the wow. picture opened up then I went and start working working on uh, the grand or her father's pardon me uh, workshop and so forth in there too you know and uh, when, when it goes kaboom, and 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 she uh, comes and uh, races after, after she's met Gaston. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so that was my first, and I stayed with it all the way. Then mm-hmm. Kirk and Gary were made the directors on it, and um, I love working on that picture. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and from the point that it changed hands and came back to California, did the story change after after that that much, or was it kind of from that point on you just moved forward and finished with the same storyline? You know, I never read the the, the first storyline. I really didn't. And other than the fact that I was told to open the sequence up, that's that's the only thing. Then we had uh, Linda Wolverton. Linda Wolverton was was assigned to rewrite the story, I guess, because she was working on it constantly. She was difficult to work with uh, only in because she was working at home. She wasn't working in. So we couldn't communicate. Mm-hmm. And there became a time in the middle of it, I talked to Don Hahn and I said, you know, if she was working in it, it would be a lot, lot better. We could really work together. And he kind of agreed, talked to Peter, and they told her she had to work in. Once she started working in, she started realizing what we were doing and feeling more into it. And I think she felt like a real team member. And and, and, she, and, and, and then she was working out, which is great. Hmm. Jeffrey moved us from Flower, I think, yeah, we were on Flower Street, I think, working on it. He moved us into the studio, into the ink and paint department, because he wanted to be close mm-hmm. so he could work with us on it. And uh, This was just in the story phase? Just in the story phase. Mm-hmm. So we moved into the ink and paint department, back where they, mix, where they mix paints. Yeah. And that's where our offices were. And there's about, mm, I'd say maybe 10 of us at the moment, not even that many, maybe six, six to 10 in that group. And uh, there was Roger, there was Brenda Chapman, Roger Allers, uh, myself, uh, Chris uh, um, Sanders. Sanders. I don't, I don't know if Vance was on it yet or not. Was, uh, was Joe Grant on it at that point? Joe had just, Joe had just about come, he'd come in, in when we were working over there. That's when Joe was came in with uh, at uh, uh, rather uh, Charles uh, Fink's uh, Charlie Fink's uh, behest. He brought him, Charlie brought him in. He was kind of head of uh, story ideas at that time, mm-hmm. you know. But Joe came in, and in fact, he always he always laughed because I had done this board on, on a father's uh, invention uh, or his. Uh, uh, what he calls his workshop, and this was kind of later on in the movie. When, it, in this case, it was going to be the music box that came in to try to, uh, I think, what was it to free? Or was, they were going to free Bell and and his father who were locked in in his workshop. 
that Gaston unlocked in the in the in the shop. And uh, later on, of course, we changed. It was no longer the the uh, music box. We changed it to the uh, yeah. we changed it to Chip. Yeah, but Chip hadn't been born then, so all we had was was a music box, and, and we had this, it was cute. But Joe says, "Oh, I never forgot that sequence." He says, "You had busted your your your, your buns on that, and and you had pitched this board, these, these four boards, I think it was." And and he, and he says, and then the sequence wasn't used, you know, per se, because yeah, we went back and we changed it, changed it to chip, changed ideas around. But I had a lot of fun doing it because it was just one of those things you just took. He said, uh, chip come or chip the or rather the music box box comes and rescues Belle and her father from the from the uh, the shop, and so I just ran with it. Uh -huh. and, and when you run with those things, you just have lots of fun, and uh, and I built three boards. We we had a thing that we, we we even all laughed about because we had a we had an award that we would give, and we pinned it on the board. It would be it was like a, it was a blue ribbon award with hand and hung, and it said the gush and flush award, you know where everybody gushes over how great the sequence is, but we can't use it. <laughs> <laughs> so so we so a lot of a lot of sequences get you guys gush just and flush. Pass that around. <laughs> That's right. We passed it around. Had a lot of fun in that picture, though. I really enjoyed doing it. In fact, one of the one of the sequences I worked on, I think it was the fastest sequence I have ever worked on, and that was the song sequence at the end when Gaston gets the town all riled up, and uh, they they come marching through the town with the firebrands, you know, burning and so forth, and they're on their way to the castle. Kill the kill the beast, kill the beast, and. Uh, I remember I had come back from vacation or it was, I don't know what it was. They said, you've got the song and we have to get it, you know, like in a week or something. And my God, it was like, it was a long season. Yeah, and there's tons of stuff happening, yeah. all those people. And... and so I just simply belted all the way through it and just started, it, it, it just flowed. And... I was I was shocked at myself, and after I think it was like a four days, four or five days, I called the directors in and we walked through and pitched it, and they loved it, and hardly anything got changed. Wow, yeah, it's a great sequence, and it's very cinematic, and the transitions are all back and forth. I know, but don't look at the, don't look at the drawings because <laughs> they were pretty pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. I know, but it it, it worked out. And I I read, that was one of the fun sequences that I that I really enjoyed doing. Hmm. But I I wouldn't be enjoyed showing it because they weren't great drawings. But <laughs> it did work. Cool. <laughs> That concludes part three with Bernie Mattinson. We'll wrap up the interview with part four in the next show. If you want to comment on this show or any other show, please go to my website at animationpodcast.com and leave some feedback. There's usually some lively discussion on the post, and I appreciate everyone that participates there. You can also find links there to leave me a voicemail or to email me. The email, by the way, is animationpodcast at gmail.com. And I do need to mention that the phone number that I've given out in the past is no longer in service. So if you want to leave a voice message, you need to either go to the website and click the link or record it yourself and just email it to me. And speaking of email, even though they pile up weekly, I still get them and I still read them and I am planning to respond to everyone. So feel free to contact me, but just know that it may take a little while before I get back to you. 
So now let's check out some listener voicemail. The first voicemail was labeled simply from the man. Clay, where's the podcast, Clay? Clay, where's the podcast? The man's always coming down on me. Well, I gotta thank him for that message. It uh, kept me going all these months, determined to make a new show. And it was pretty cool going through the voicemails this time because there were messages from four different countries. Here's one from Israel. Hi, Clay. First of all, I would like to thank you for your excellent podcast. Uh, hopefully, I'll be studying animation at the Bitsala Academy next year. And it's always great to hear about how all these excellent animators began their careers. Um, also, I would like to make a suggestion if you could have an interview with uh, Richard Williams. He's, uh, besides being an amazing animator, he began his career uh, painting and then made the switch. And that always interests me because I'm doing the same thing. And uh, it's always interesting to hear about the relation between classical art and animation. Thank you. Thanks for the message. Richard Williams is definitely on my list of people I'd love to interview. Um, I've seen him talk and he's totally entertaining. So uh, we'll see if it'll happen one day and I'll remember to ask him about painting. And of course, if you've listened to the Glenn interview, he talks about being a painter at CalArts. So you're in good company. Hi, Clay. This is Remy calling from sunny Amsterdam. And uh, I just wanted to let you know that I really, really enjoy your podcasts. I uh, just discovered them last week, actually, and uh, since then I've been listening to them non-stop. So uh, it, that's got to be uh, proof that what you do is, is very good and gets better all the time because I, I got to listen to them in a short period of time and it never bored me. It's actually the highlight of my day nowadays, um, especially the last one with uh, Bernie. Um, sometimes I really had the feeling that I was in the room with him while he... Um, experienced all, all, all these great things and even the, the bad times and, and, and um, the part that they fooled him about, um, how do you say, uh, the Christmas carol <laughs> that really got me choking up. It was really good. Um, this month I'm starting the animation mentor program, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I always wanted to be an animator, but I got sidetracked um, well, that's a long story, so now I'm already 30, and I hope that I'm not too late with all this, um, but I'm going to try anyway. So I just hope that you keep on feeding us with all this stuff, uh, because it really helps to keep me motivated anyways. Okay, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Hey, Remy. You know, I think it's great that you're starting Animation Mentor. It's it's perfect for people that maybe can't put their careers aside or they have other responsibilities with family or what have you. It's something that people can do in their spare time, although I would recommend a full-time dedication to it because it, it does take a lot. I think I may have mentioned before that I was a part-time mentor on Animation Mentor, and I think it's a fantastic program. Um, the curriculum's great. It's totally focused on animation, and the work that comes out of it is pretty amazing. So I wish you all the best on that. And as far as being 30 already, I don't think it's really a matter of you know how much of a head start people have on you. It's whether you enjoy what you're doing. And if you really want to do the animation, I would totally encourage you to do it. I mean, I started when I was 21 with basically no experience, and I thought I was starting late, and I've talked to other people that you know, graduated from college at 27 and then started their career in animation. So 30 isn't that far off. And like I said, it's it's how much enjoyment you get out of it. And it's not a race. You know, there's people that are kind of born with it and other people have to work hard at it. And you'll just, uh, you'll fit in where you fit in. So it's a great career. I'm happy you're doing it and hopefully you'll uh, you'll enjoy it yourself. So good luck.
Hey, I'm Joe from Beirut, Lebanon. I'm 17 and I just want to say I love your podcast. Thank hey, Joe, thank you for continuing the international theme of the voicemails. And I am sorry you got cut off, but I do appreciate the effort. So uh, hopefully you're still out there and listening to the show and maybe we'll hear from you some other time. And the next message from Jose was great to get because it really just uh, summarized all the reasons why I like doing this show. Hi, Clay. Uh, this is Jose from London. Just decided, you know, after thinking about it, that, you know, I should leave a message because, you know, I just couldn't help it in a way. Um, your podcast is great. It's really good. Every time uh, I listen to it, it gives me that extra, uh, gives me like a little buzz, a little extra thing to actually uh, keep animating. Um, when you uh, did that interview with Glenn Keane, it was really good. I mean, the way he, he talked about animation, like so passionate, even though, you know, he didn't actually know anything in the beginning about animation. I mean, that really kind of made me think, you know, maybe get Glenn Keane is not so incredibly, like, out there. Because I actually thought in the beginning, like, you know, Glenn Keane is, is amazingly good. There's no way that I will ever get to that point. Uh, after listening to the uh, the podcast, um, you kind of hear, like, Lanking going like you know what I actually did mistakes I was not actually born perfect kind of think you know what maybe it is achievable maybe you know one day myself can actually be maybe as good as him well not as good but you know <laughs> maybe not as bad as I am today so um you know really good um that's the kind of feeling that the podcast kind of uh you know uh gives me um I really love listening to it um, you know, I like the fact that it has a lot of life as well. I mean, you know, this is not good only for our generation, but it's good for many generations to come. And I really wish that, you know, back in the day that Disney was alive and the nine old men were alive. I really, really hope, I mean, it would be great if you had podcasts in the internet and the world was this small. Because, I mean, the amount of knowledge that you would have nowadays would be amazing. And, um, you know, but, you know, at least, at least we have you know, Bernie Mattinson uh, to actually talk about the old days and that, you know, of course is not as good but it's almost as good because when you actually listen to the podcast you almost feel feel like you're there because, you know, he has a lot of stories and stuff so, you know, really good stuff really good stuff and I hope you keep going for it as long as you can because this is gold okay, thanks a lot for that and, you know, keep up the good work Hey, Jose, thank you so much for the message. I don't have a huge response except just, you know, the thank you. But I, I do like to play all these messages because I know there must be other people out there that have the same feelings about, you know, Richard Williams or giving up your career to become an animator or just the general excitement about learning about animation. So uh, I just see it as a great way to connect people that may never even talk or email or even meet in person. So I'm going to keep playing them if you keep sending them. So please, you know, go to the website and leave a voicemail or you can record it yourself. And if there's a huge demand for the uh, phone number hotline, then I'll see what I can do to bring that back. But for now, these are your two options. Next time, it'll be part four, the conclusion with Bernie Mattinson. And I do think it's the best part. So I look forward to sharing that with you guys and getting on to even more guests. Thanks for hanging out, listening to the show. And until next time, thanks for tuning in.